This is Playing Around with Paige Renee. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Playing Around. I'm your host, Paige Renee, and I've missed you guys so, so, so much. And hopefully you've missed me too. I'm so sorry that I missed last week and then this episode as a little delayed as well. I was in Colorado for this entire time and I didn't bring my podcast equipment with me, but now we have so much to talk about and so much to update you on. So let's just get right into it. So like I said, I was in Colorado and I was there for so many events and then just hanging out with family. And so first off, when I was there, I was there for uh, the Corn Ferry event that they had at TBC Colorado which is a beautiful golf course, which we'll get into that. Uh, But PointsBet was one of the main sponsors. And so we were just out there every single day, hanging out, talking with their VIPs, which was great. But the highlight of TPC Colorado was playing it on Wednesday because I got to play in the Pro-Am. And I haven't played in Pro-Am in such a long time. And I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I have an incredible record with pro-ams and shambles and scrambles and any kind of those type of tournaments. And so I was super excited because I get to play from the red tees, the front tees, and (laughs) it was less than 5,000 yards. Yeah, that's pretty short compared to what I normally play. When I play with my buddies, I'll play from the tips with them or maybe one or two ahead. But for the most part, I I will always usually play back and never forward. But it's so much fun playing forward, and especially because we were in elevation too. So I was driving greens, par fives easily in two with like wedges. And it was hard on the par threes, though. I will say that because you have such short clubs in, and it's like you don't know if you should tee it up or not tee it up. So though they didn't play that well, but I – actually felt pretty good. My game felt pretty solid. I was driving greens, like I said, was sometimes not even, I didn't even have to drive her sometimes. They felt like just really long par threes to me. (laughs) And I had such a great group too. So we had a pro on the front nine and then a pro on the back nine. Both of them were awesome. So, so, so cool. And my group too, like best vibes ever. We were all just having such a great time. And I feel bad because sometimes these guys, they look forward to this day so much. This is such a big day for a lot of the amateurs who get to play and they get one day off of work. They're playing with these pros and it's just so much fun. And I always feel bad when they don't play well because you can tell that they build it up and they're so excited. And then when they're not hitting well, they just look so defeated. But that was not our group, not our group. I swear our guys played incredible, like one of the best pro-am teams I've had when it comes to playing well at the right times and everyone held their own weight. Like it was perfect because I would get them up there as close as I possibly could. And I think both of them were around 10 or 12 handicaps. And so they were playing out of their mind, making like long putts. And so if I would make a birdie, then sometimes if they had a one shot, they would go to an eagle. So we were making like three for twos and double eagles. We made a double eagle on the first hole, which was a par five. A couple more eagles. We only made one par. So it was such a fun day. And that golf course was incredible. It's the first time I've played that golf course and it's still fairly new. I think they were telling me that it's only about five years old, but it's a little far away from everything. But once you're on property, 
It's a very, very beautiful golf course in amazing shape. The greens were lightning fast. So it was so much fun to play. And so after that, um, being there for pretty much the entire week, I was in Denver, but it's crazy because the night before I was about to go to my hotel for all-star weekend, they had, I don't know if you guys saw this on the news, but a maid found all of these guns and ammo and drugs in this hotel room. And on the news, they first, they were saying that, you know, this was going to be like a Vegas, like shooting. And I freaked out because that happened at the hotel I was staying at that week. And so I had like a mini breakdown the night before and it was so, so, so scary. And it just is so sad that you have to think about those things now. Like I was so excited to go to all-star weekend. And then in the back of your mind, you're like, okay, this could potentially be another mass shooting or in that it gave me a ton of anxiety the night before, not only of thinking of like what could happen. I think that was the hardest part. Like what if the maid didn't find all of that stuff and what could have happened? That was hard for me. I'm like, I was there. Like I was at the same place as them and it really puts things into perspective. And it was definitely scary. But once you, I was in Denver, I was like, oh, this is fine. Everything's fine again. But the night before was quite, quite scary. And you, you're seeing all these shootings everywhere. And it's just so sad that you go to these places to have a really amazing time and to unwind and you have your family there, like music festivals or, you know, there, there's just places that seem safe to you. And then in reality, they're not actually safe. And we saw that at the, was the Nationals game too, when there were gunshots outside. And it's like, where, where are we safe? Like, where can we go where we actually feel okay? And for me, it was like, sporting events. Like I've always felt so safe at sporting events. And now it's like, you have to think about those things, which is so sad and not, not great, but we'll move on from that and do something a little bit happier and all-star weekend. So that's where all of the baseball players come in and they do the home run derby. And then the all-star game first time out one of these and it was fun. It was so much fun, but it was the best part was when I was shooting content with points bet, (laughs) I got to go on the street. So we did this man on the street type of interview. And I was basically going up to random people and asking them like controversial baseball questions. If you want to see that, you can go on the points bet USA Instagram account and it's all there. But when I tell you guys that I have social anxiety and I don't think people realize how bad it is sometimes, if you saw me before I had to go and do this, you would have been dying laughing at me. I was having like a full blown panic attack, like thinking of having to go up to strangers and talk to them and interact with people I don't know. And especially about baseball, which is something I don't feel overly confident about my baseball knowledge. So I was like, these people are going to think I'm stupid and all of this stuff. And I was just spiraling. And so I get to the location that we were going to start asking people and I'm like shaking. My whole body is just trembling. And I look back and there's a bar. And so I went and I got a tequila shot and it was a very big shot. And after that, I was fine. I was good to go. Um, It ended up being so much fun. Everyone that I interviewed, they were super cool. Um, We had a really great time doing that, but that was the first time I've ever done something like that before. So that was nerve wracking too. I've really enjoyed working with PointsBet because I 
am forced to be more creative and to step out of my comfort zone. And I feel like I've been doing that so much lately with my content and trying different things and doing different things. I think it's so easy for me to get stuck in a rut of, yes, it works and it's always successful, but you need to develop and you need to be doing more than that. And I feel like I'm trying to do that more with my content now where I am pushing boundaries of what I'm not used to and trying different things. And it has been successful. And it's nice to see the feedback, such a positive feedback from that. But again, it's it's challenging to put your, push yourself outside of your comfort zone. And that's definitely what I had to do with interviewing people, but ended up being so awesome. So after that, I ended up just um, hanging out with my family a little bit. My older sister, she lives in Colorado, which I think I mentioned before when she was on the show and I, I got to see my my niece, which if you listen to the episode with uh, me and my sister, you know that um, I am not really a kids person, like a baby person, but uh, I think uh, I bonded with my niece and it was a much better experience. So if you guys were losing sleep over that, never fear, I might actually be a baby person after all. <laughs> I would say one thing that was really nice about being in Colorado is that's where I learned how to play golf and where I picked the game up. So as you know, I was a competitive gymnast. And then once I quit, I started playing golf. And so I was playing on all of these golf courses again. And I I mean, I do that every single time I go back, but it's always so fun to go back again and play these you know public golf courses that you know I originally shot all my content at. So it's fun to go to all these golf courses where like five years ago, if you look back at all my beginning content, it was at Fox Hollow and Foothills. And then you go up to Colorado Springs and Patty Jewett and Kings Deer. And it's just brings back all of these memories of me when I was in college, not knowing what I wanted to do with my life and feeling so lost and so helpless. And I had to play at these golf courses because I was still, I wanted to try to play professionally I wasn't really sure. I don't know if I wanted to play professionally because I really didn't have anything else going for me at the time. And I felt like I had to do that or because I actually really wanted to. But regardless, I was trying to play professionally and I didn't have any money at that time. And so I was playing at places like Patty Jewett because it was inexpensive. And I could just go out there, play nine holes for, you know, 15 bucks and get my practice in. And I was also doing clinics at Flying Horse, which is a really nice golf course, private golf course there, and uh, teaching kids how to play for playing privileges. And so it just brought me back to all of those times where I was struggling so badly and I was doing all of this content more for fun. And now it's turned into a full career for me. And I still go and play at those golf courses. And there's just something so special about like a good muni. I feel so comfortable there and the people there and there's no judgment. And I feel like that's the like purest form of golf. In my opinion, I know everyone, when you think of like the pinnacle of golf, it's, you know, at these beautiful country clubs and surrounded by, you know, wealthy people and wearing your nicest clothes. And that might be it for some people. But for me, the purest form of golf is a late afternoon tea time at Patty Jewett you know, wearing just whatever you're wearing and going out with your friends or family or whoever you, you know, play golf with. And that is what golf is to me. And so I played 
Patty Jewett with my my mom was walking and my my dad was walking with me and it just felt so fun and it felt my mom used to shoot all of my content in the beginning and so she was shooting all these videos for me again and it just reminded me of one how far I've come but also how I haven't changed at all either I think you see these influencers especially you know in the golf space where they get a couple followers <laughs> And all of a sudden, they're, you know, promoting super expensive things and playing the nicest golf courses for free. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's, you know, a natural progression. And I'm not saying that I don't do that. I definitely, I mean, I worked with PXG, which were some of the most expensive golf clubs. And I have played Cypress. And so I do get those perks as well. But that's not my everyday life. And that's not where I feel most comfortable. And so to be back at Patty Jew with my mom and just like laughing and having the best time ever. I'm like, this is, this is me. And this is what I love to do. And to shoot content at these golf courses, doesn't matter, you know, how much more money I have in the bank now than when I was broke or, you know, how many followers I have compared to having nothing. It's just always the same. And that's always what makes me happiest. And I was just good to go back and like reflect on and just, I don't know. It just felt felt good. Just felt good to be back there. And I hope that more people have an open mind of playing munis. I think that sometimes they're like, oh, the conditions aren't that great or it's kind of slow or it's all of these things. Well, yeah, I mean, you're paying for what you get, but there are some really good munis out there that are in pretty good, great shape. And of course, it's going to be slow, but that's where you walk. You know, I, I walked a nine at Patty Jewett and yeah, we waited. But again, that's just kind of part of the charm of playing those golf courses and walking and just, again, just having the best time ever. So I don't know. I'm getting like kind of sentimental about it. And I think it's just thinking back on like how much I've gone through and how you guys have all supported me through all the ups and the downs. And <laughs> I was like, it started at Patty Jewett and we're still at Patty Jewett. <laughs> There's just something so funny about that to me where, you know, I have accomplished all these things. I've met all these cool people. I have these followers. And yet I'm still in a tank top and leggings that patted you with my mom. <laughs> and again, that just like makes me so happy to think about. But um, we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the open and so, so much more. <laughs> Okay, and we are back. There's been so much to talk about with the Open, and I'm sure you've already heard it all, but not from my perspective, so I can't wait to get into all of it. We first have to start out that week with this bizarre video that hit Twitter. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw this video. I'm sure you did. But a guy walked up to Rory McIlroy his bag and took the head cover and a club out of his bag on on the 10th tee and it's John Rom, Rory and Rory's caddy and everyone is just looking at him like no one did anything or like react to him. It was so bizarre, not only because the guy walked up, took the head cover and then an iron, but because Rom, Rory, and his caddy just kind of looked over. If someone 
catch my clubs and did that, I would not have reacted that way. I don't know about you guys, but I would have not just like let that go and just let him do his thing and uh, just let him walk away. It was the most bizarre video I have ever seen, ever seen. Like, how would you guys react if someone just came up and like took your clubs? That happens to me sometimes when I'm out of range and a guy will come over and start touching them, but they never like take it out and then like walk away. And it was just weird. People were saying that he was drunk. He didn't know what was going on. It was a prank. Who knows? But that was just bizarre. And then after that, (laughs) we have another Bryson situation. Again, Bryson is always somehow in the news one way or another. Um, It was the last time we were talking about him was the Rocket Mortgage and then separating from his caddy. And just there's always something with Bryson, always something. There's never a week when there's not something weird that happens with Bryson. So at the open, he was interviewed and he said that his driver sucks. (laughs) Flat out, like I'm not even paraphrasing here. He literally was like, my driver sucks. And can you imagine being Cobra, paying Bryson millions and millions of dollars, and Bryson is coming out and saying that his driver sucks just because of the mishits. He's like, the mishits aren't going where I want. I'm like, yeah, no shit. If you don't hit in the center of the club face, then it's probably not going to fly the way you want it to fly. (laughs) But uh, uh, it just really frustrates me because I I don't know why he has to say that. And again, he comes out with a big apology after someone approached the rep. Uh, Cobra rep and the Cobra rep just like lit Bryson up, basically calling him a baby, throwing temper tantrums or doing everything they possibly can for Bryson to get this driver perfect. He's never happy. He's never satisfied. It's exhausting. And then for him to say this is just a huge slap in the face. And I agree with the Cobra rep. Like you can maybe keep that stuff behind closed doors. But if Bryson is saying this publicly in an interview, can you even imagine what he is saying behind closed doors or to these reps or how demanding he is? I'm sure it's definitely exhausting and props to the rep for standing up for himself, Cobra, and the team. They put probably hours, he said that, they put hours into making sure Bryson's equipment is perfect. And it was a slap in the face to Cobra for Bryson to say that. He came out with apology later and was like, I'm so sorry. But how many more times can Bryson do something and then have to apologize about it? And I know a lot of people were saying, well, it's just how Bryson is. And, you know, still, it's good for golf. And anytime people are talking about Bryson, it's good. But, you know, this one, this one's hard. And I think there's no justification for it when it came to Rocket Mortgage and, you know, Bryson not doing the, um, post-round interviews, I kind of defended him. And I've really been trying my hardest to not just to shit on Bryson all the time, mostly because the New York Post will probably post about it. (laughs) I just like, I don't want that to always be the narrative around him because again, I don't want to be a very negative person or seem really hateful towards someone for no reason. But this one's hard to defend in any way. And it is hard to see where he was coming from or why he would say this. When you are so focused on the brand, the brand, and he's always about that. Like, why would he throw Cobra under the bus, who's been there for him for such a long time? 
But thinking like, okay, so if Cobra is going to drop Bryson, where else is he going to go? And I don't know if there's any other club manufacturers out there that would maybe put up with him or deal with that. I don't see someone like a Titleist or a TaylorMade or a Ping really dealing with that. Um, potentially maybe Callaway because they do, you know, they're they're pretty progressive with their social and Bryson is pretty active on social. So maybe they're like, well, we can deal with the rest of that, but this is there's more good than bad. I I kind of see a PXG situation happening. I can see Bob potentially working with Bryson. But the thing is, I don't think Bob Parsons would put up with any shit. So maybe that would be good for Bryson to, you know, have to stay on a <laughs> strict path of, you know, saying what he needs to say, doing what he needs to do. Because uh, when I was with PXG, I worked with Bob Parsons a fair amount with some of our media, and he was so kind and so amazing to me. But he is one of the most intimidating people I've ever met. Like he walks into a room and just commands, you know, attention and respect. And I've never felt that before. The way that around Bob Parsons, there's just something about him. Like he's just a very powerful man and you feel that. And when he walks in, everyone's like, okay. (laughs) And so maybe that might be good for Bryson where he wouldn't have as much leeway to kind of mess around with things, but they could be creative with with each other. And I I actually don't hate that relationship that could potentially happen. I I could see him going to PXG, but I'm sure he'll stay with Cobra and I was just spitballing some other places where he could go. But there's not many that I think would probably deal with Bryson all that well. And maybe Cobra is the best place for him because they've worked with him for such a long time now. And maybe they can see past that or they know him on a deeper level than any of us obviously do. So who knows what's going to happen with that. But once again, Brooks is undefeated. He then was in an interview And Brooks was like, yep, I love my driver. (laughs) I think the best thing about Brooks is that some people call it being a bully or petty. I think it's funny. He always keeps the narrative going around their rivalry. And I think that's amazing. And he does it in a way that's, for the most part, pretty subtle, sometimes not so subtle. But this was such a subtle dig and he got his point across. And I like Brooks. Brooks is undefeated. There's just... Again, I know a lot of people think he could be potentially a bully sometimes, but I think he does it in a very fun, lighthearted way. And he is sarcastic. Like Brooks is sarcastic with his delivery and it's very dry sometimes. And I I like it. I think it's I think it's great. So big Brooks fan. I think he never never loses on that one. And I mean, you can't defend Bryson on this at all. I don't saw some people trying to defend him, and it just it, it you can't. You can't do that. Okay. (laughs) One thing I didn't like about the open, and this was a fault to literally no one, was there were no horrible weather conditions. It looked like a beautiful sunny day with like no wind, no rain, nothing. Like I want to see sideways rain with 45 mile an hour gusts. And it doesn't have to be like that every single day, but I want at least one day of difficult conditions. That's what makes the open so much fun for me. Every single major has a distinct feature, and for the Open, it's the weather. There's always something going on with the weather and the the, the luck of the tea times with the weather conditions, and that's what I missed so much. It just looked so perfect. The guys were tearing the course up, and I'm like, I don't want to see that. I want to see terrible weather. I want to see 
I always remember like Tiger ducking down behind, you know, one of the sponsor boards. And I'm like, that's what I want with my open. That's what I need. Not shirtless guys sunbathing in the background of pictures. I don't know if you guys saw that picture. This guy literally completely shirtless, you know, the color of a lobster because they just don't get much sun there, I guess. <laughs> just hanging out. I'm like, no, like I want to see rain gear and rain gloves and all of that stuff. Like that's the kind of open that I want to see. I would say that in all in all, it was it was pretty good. I like Colin Morikawa. I think he is a brilliant young player, and he has the potential of winning so many majors. He has such a solid game. I would say the one thing that is holding him back is his putting. And you could say that he played well at the open because the greens are slower, and usually it's it's easier for not as great putters to putt well on slow greens. But I still think that he is going to win a lot in the future. One really interesting discussion is, is he actually going to win a lot of majors in the future? You look at players like a Roy McIlroy or a Jordan Spieth, and when they were in their prime, they looked like they could battle Tiger Woods and Jack Nicklaus and when it comes to majors. And, you know, there's... There's times where they look like they're going to do that, and then it just doesn't happen. I would say Rory is not a disappointment by any means, but when you look at his career when he was younger and how he was winning and by the margins he was winning, he looked like the next Tiger Woods, and we're always searching for the next Tiger Woods. Same with Jordan Spieth. He was on that path. He was winning all these majors, and then all of a sudden he just lost his game. So is that potentially what's going to happen with Colin Morikawa? I don't know. I think that's it's hard to obviously say. One of the best ball strikers, his swing is really solid. I think when you look at Jordan Spieth's swing, his swing isn't as solid as, you know, Rory's or Collins, but he has an amazing short game and is able to scramble. So when Jordan is putting well, he's obviously going to play really well. I think it's the same with Rory too. You look at his his short putts. He he really does struggle with his putting. At times, he's a very streaky putter. So all of these guys have something that's very similar when it comes to a weakness, and that's their you know streakiness when it comes with their putter. I would say Jordan's a little bit more about his ball striking, um, but even Jordan sometimes, like, he looks so uncomfortable over two footers. I don't know how that guy can look like he's going to make a 50-footer but then look like he's going to miss a two-footer. He's, like, the best worst putter <laughs> Worst best pus, worst best putter out there, <laughs> whatever way you want to put it. But it's uh, it, it's weird to watch him, and, and same with Rory too, and Colin. They both, all three of them, look so uncomfortable over short putts. Like I never feel confident about any of those three guys. But you give me Jack, you give me Arnie, you give me. Well, I'm gonna take Arnie out. You give me Jack, you give me Tiger, and they were always locked in. Like they always looked like they were going to make it. Even if they did miss it by chance, they always looked so confident. You look at Rory, Jordan, and Colin, they don't look that great over short putts. I don't know if that's just a coincidence, but it is hard to say how Colin Morikawa is going to do in the future. I've heard nothing but amazing things about him. He's extremely well-spoken. Um, he works really hard. Uh, he's very kind, I've heard. I've never met him personally, but I'm a big fan of his, and I really hope that he does amazing. 
and we do see someone kind of reach the potential that we're all hoping that they will. And I'm not saying that Rory or Jordan can't come back and then start winning all of these majors again, but out of the three of them, I would say Colin probably has the best future and it looks very bright right now. So it's fun to watch him play. I know some people probably it's like kind of boring golf sometimes because he just hits it so pure, but he is, he is so good for the game. I would say now that we've wrapped up all of the four majors, there's been so many really amazing things that have happened this year. I would say out of all of them, the open championship was the most boring, but I think it again, just goes back to the weather conditions that's what makes that tournament so special and not having that. It just seemed like every other tournament. So I missed the weather for that, but still I was happy that Colin Morikawa won and we'll go backwards. And then we have the U S open with John Rahm. And that was an incredible story because, you know, we all know the week before he tested positive for COVID. He was winning Jack's tournament by a billion. Didn't end up getting that win because he had to withdraw wasn't able to really practice because he was quarantining and then won the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines, which is an incredible venue. I was out there, which was also really great, which always makes it more fun. So that was an incredible story and such a great tournament. And then before that, we had Phil Mickelson out of nowhere winning the PGA, which I would say out of all of the tournaments this year, that that was probably the most exciting or the most memorable because no one saw Phil winning a major (laughs) again and the way that it happened to where he had that lead and then he started playing bad and we all know sometimes that Phil would struggle and he got it done and everyone was you know following him at the end it was amazing amazing I would say out of all of the majors that was my favorite major this year and you know that I'm being truly honest about that because I'm still blocked on Instagram and Twitter by Phil Mickelson, and I take that shit personally. So, you know, I'm being very unbiased right now, but that was by far the best major of the year, and it was incredible to watch. And then the first one of the year, the Masters, with Hideki Matsuyama, the first male Japanese player to win a major. Such an amazing moment for Japan. I love Hideki. I think He's so great. I love his swing. And again, that was also a really amazing major. So every single tournament, every single major this year had something so different and so special, and they were all incredible. And I don't remember the last time that all four of the majors had either like a good storyline or something crazy going on or a good finish. Like there was always something good, except for, you you could probably say the open, but that was still exciting. That was still exciting, but if I had to rank them, I would go PGA, U.S. Open, Masters, Open Championship. Do you guys agree or disagree with that ranking of best to worst of the year? But I don't want to say worst because they were all really great. I honestly enjoyed them all. But they're over. The majors are over this year, which is sad. But we still have a lot of golf coming up, and especially the Ryder Cup. I think something that's going to be really interesting to keep following is the dynamic, the team dynamic within the USA team for the Ryder Cup. Obviously, they've struggled with that a little bit in the past. They're just not as close as the European team. And how is Brooks and Bryson going to handle the team dynamic? Brooks was asked about this and he said, you know, 
I can put things aside for a week. We're obviously not going to be playing together. But what if Steve Stricker just threw everyone a fucking curveball and was like, you know what, Bryson, Brooks, we're, te- we're teaming you up together and watch them become like unstoppable. I know they did that with Tiger and Phil that one year and it was a complete disaster. But I'm kind of hoping for a Brooks-Bryson team up. I think that would be honestly incredible. And I I think they would play well together, even though they hate each other so much. I think there would be kind of like this weird, odd uh, chemistry between them. I don't know. I just have that feeling. I just think there would just be something about it where they would actually end up being good teammates. But I'm excited for the Ryder Cup. That's going to be so much fun to watch. That's one of my favorite golf events. I've never been to a Ryder Cup, but I have always wanted to go, but I love watching it on TV. It's fun to see these guys actually be excited about something. We talked about this with the Olympics where you're going to represent your country and it should be such an amazing moment for these golfers, but it really just kind of falls flat. But with the Ryder Cup, it's they're, they have that like fire that I wish they had for the Olympics. And I wish they could capture that and bring that over to the Olympics. So that's one of the reasons why I love watching the Ryder Cup so much because it feels like they're playing for something so much bigger than themselves. And sometimes you just feel like they're playing for like the money or, you know, the trophy. And But this is like they're playing for their country, which I think is, again, it just adds another level to it. Enough about golf, though. We got to talk about something else because it's been on my mind since I watched it. Space Jam 2, guys, not great, not great. So I I was hesitant to watch it, but I went in with an open mind and I was disappointed. I know everyone's like, but it's a kid's movie and it's not supposed to be taken seriously. Yeah, well, so is Space Jam and I love the shit out of that movie. Like, that movie is so good. I don't care what anyone says. Of course, it's stupid. It's a kid's movie. But it was still good. There was just something about it that was just so fun. The thing I didn't like about Space Jam 2, and I'm not a LeBron hater. I'm really not. I There's a lot of things that I really like about LeBron. And I didn't like how the first 20 minutes of this movie was one, it was one big ad. The entire movie was one big ad. And I really wish that these big either corporations or companies would just remove themselves from trying to always insert themselves into these movies. And you see it all the time with like the Marvel movies and it's like a BMW drives by. And of course it's obvious, but still a little bit more subtle. They did not even try to make this subtle at all. It was just literally branding up the wazoo and it was exhausting to see. Like, it was just like, gosh, another another um, logo or another mention of this or that. I also didn't like how it really focused on King James and LeBron's, like, legacy that he's building and his career. And it just didn't seem authentic and really genuine. Obviously, his acting wasn't great. Michael Jordan's acting wasn't great. I mean, these are these are athletes. I don't think we have, you know, super high expectations of them to be like the next Tom Hanks. But again, it was just so focused on like how great LeBron is. And with the first Space Jam with Michael Jordan, it wasn't really mentioned in the way that it was mentioned with LeBron. And sometimes it almost feels like LeBron's trying to prove that he is so great when Michael Jordan knows he's the GOAT. 
And my mom would always say, if you have to tell people how great you are, then you're probably not that great. And I feel like if LeBron just let, I mean, he is, he's amazing. He's incredible. I think we all know that, but him always talking about or or always being mentioned, I think that is the problem. I think if he just like would sit back and would kind of just let it happen, then people would bring him into that discussion more instead of him trying to prove that he's the GOAT. You know, I don't know if that makes any sense. And people are probably like, why are you some dumb Instagram model talking about, you know, this? You don't even get it. You don't even understand it. And I do like I I get why he probably feels like he needs to do that or he's so proud of his accomplishments and he should be proud of his accomplishments. But when it comes to Space Jam 2, maybe that's not the platform for it to be discussed. (laughs) I thought the end of it was better than the beginning of it. Um, But again, it just fell flat for me and it was a hard place for him to be in. Space Jam is a cult classic and a favorite of a lot of people. It's hard to go up against that. And it's almost like, why would even you make the movie if that's the case? Like, maybe they would use a different name. I don't I don't know. It just again, just didn't quite work for me. I did like the end of it a lot better. There were some really funny moments in the movie. I did laugh, but it wasn't wasn't that good. I'm sorry. I'm trying to be nice about it, but it just it wasn't. It wasn't for me. <laughs> wasn't great. But they tried. They tried their hardest. <laughs> <sighs> okay. I feel like I've been talking a lot. <laughs> I'm glad to be back and update you on everything that's been going on in my life. We'll be back on a regularly scheduled podcast as we normally have been doing. Um, so you can look out for that. But again, thank you guys so much for listening today and always wanting these podcasts. I saw all of your messages being like, where are you? What's going on? We miss them. So that made me feel really good. And again, I always appreciate you guys following and uh, supporting me and all that. So again, if you guys want to leave any questions for future TNA, um, you can email us at paririheartradio.com or send us a message on the Playing Around Instagram account. And we will definitely add in more TNA for the next episode. And that is all. I, again, missed you guys so much. And I'll catch you for the next episode. Follow Playing Around with Paige Renee on iHeartRadio. Or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. 